Good morning, everyone. I am Pastor Angie, Associate Pastor here at Community of Grace, and as you've been hearing all morning, we are celebrating our partners in Christian education today with LADC Preschool, Magnuson Christian School, and Master's Institute Seminary in particular, but as part of our fall sermon series, Jesus at Home, we are also celebrating that we are all part of Jesus' family, Jesus' church, and that as such, our family members span much farther than Community of Grace, and today we're celebrating those partners in Christian education that function out of this building together. But the family that Jesus has made goes all out into the world. And with Jesus finding his home in us, he is calling us to be agents of homecoming wherever he places us in the world. Homecoming into Jesus' love, wherever we happen to be. And if you ask most people what makes a home, most people are going to answer that question with some kind of form of family. Because what usually feels most like home to us are those places where we know that we have been claimed in love by those around us. And in Mark 3, Jesus shows us that for him, the claiming of family is not about blood relatives. It's about love relatives. In Mark 3, 32, a crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So where does Jesus look for family resemblance? It's obviously not in common facial features or hair color or culture. It's in a common commitment to the same someone. Jesus doesn't define family by blood, but by love. And of course, love is not something that you can see. But what you can see is the impact that love has on a life. And Jesus recognizes family when he recognizes the heart of God, his Father, being shown through the lives of those who are gathering around him. And when he sees that, he says, yes, these are my people, my brothers, my sister, my mother. And as we know, Jesus is the only one in whose life God's will was perfectly done on earth among us. So we see in Jesus' life God's perfect will for the world and for us in Jesus. And he shows us that God's will is that we would all be reconciled back to God, back into the family of God now and forever, because that's what Jesus did for us through his death on the cross and through his resurrection to new life. He freed us from sin and he adopted us by his blood into a new beginning in the family of God forever. So as God's people, redeemed through Jesus' love, when we live into that identity of who we are, we start to find that our lives are lived to serve that same mission, to help other people find their home too and the love of this God who has first loved them. And that, Jesus is teaching us, is where we see our family resemblance. Because we are not Christians, followers of Jesus, because we're all alike. <laughs> the only thing we all bring to the table that's alike is our common need for a savior. And as we are united by the love of that same Lord, we actually find that it's our differences that God will use to reach the world. 
in very different ways. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul compares us as the church to different parts of a body. And of course, a body always works best when the parts are working together in harmony. But each part of the body has a very different function. The nose, the eye, the mouth, the vocal cords, the brain, the heart. Each part is called to bless the whole. And each part is to be valued for what it uniquely brings to the body. And all are needed. Paul kind of brings a little bit of a humorous edge to this when he reminds us a body that's made up of only eyes is going to starve to death, right? We all need one another in this body and in this family. Paul's reminding us we need each other. We need all generations. We need all cultures. We need all abilities and disabilities in order to see fully how our God is at work among us and in order to help us reach a hurting world with his love. And when we're all united by God's mission of pouring out this saving love into the world through Jesus Christ, the differences of our passions and our callings start to make sense of why Jesus makes himself at home in each one of us as he sends us into the world. Because this good news of Jesus isn't just for eyes, it's for all. And sometimes to reach this world with this good news, it will need to be sung. And sometimes it will need to be handed, and sometimes it'll need to be walked out in the ways that God has uniquely blessed each of us to do. Jesus makes his home in us where we are so that others can find home in his love through our witness as well. And Jesus makes us family, not just here in this place, but together with all those who honor Jesus' name throughout the whole world. So today we celebrate that that mission is going out into the world through different parts of the body in this place. In little minds and hearts impacted by LADC preschool, in the growing of disciples through Magnuson Christian School, in the developing of pastors and church leaders for the future through the Master's Institute, and through you, Community of Grace, as Jesus works in your story in the world. And so today, to share with us his own story of how Jesus called him and is calling him to live out his unique mission in the world, we have with us Master's Institute Seminary student, Andrew Dvorak. And I'd like to invite him to come forward and let's pray for Andrew as he shares his story with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your servant, Andrew. We pray that you would bless him today by the presence of your Holy Spirit to surround him and to fill him to anoint his words with your love. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless him to be a blessing to this world. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us uh, something that you want us to hear through the gift of your servant, Andrew. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome Andrew. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here, and I know it's a little different than what you're used to week in, week out, so hopefully this is, this is a good change, and if not, it's one week, and you'll get back to normal next week. <laughs> I just want to just acknowledge and, and honor um, each one of you who is here. It's really, truly great um, to be gathered in this space with each one of you, and just thankful as an MI seminarian um, who meets down the hall uh, on Thursdays and Fridays, uh, that COG, Community of Grace, is uh, a place that prioritizes and values um, that sort of education and formation. And I'm grateful uh, that I get to come here um, when I'm in class 
And I also want to thank um, Pastors Angie and Pastor Darren for uh, the, just the value and, and priority that they have placed on that um, and that we've seen um, being shared with us uh, this morning, all the way from little ones to us older ones. Um, I'm on the younger end of some of the people that I go to seminary with, um, but that is also changing, too, of how many people are in, in my generation versus uh, a little bit ahead of me. Um, grateful this morning uh, to share about a bit of my story, how, how I got here, and just contributing um, those stories to the call that I feel that God has on my life, and just um, how I feel that He has uh, called me to serve in His kingdom and to then um, invite others into that place of um, family and home relationship with Jesus. Um, hopefully, uh, this goes better than, I remember the first time I spoke in public, it was my confirmation testimony, and I was pretty confident that I'd do good. I had it all written out, but I was like, ah, I'll just look at people. And I got up on stage, holy cow, when everyone's looking at you, it's a little bit different. And I just had my eyes glued to my sheet and walked away, but I'll try to look at you guys today. Um, just a little bit about me in regards to family that I feel I belong to. Uh, my parents are actually here. That's Dean and Lori Dvorak are here. And uh, I have two siblings. I'm the youngest of three. And our family, our extended family, is, is relatively small. Um, compared to others. I grew up with three cousins, and we included the long-distant Slavicheks, who I don't even know how they're related, as <laughs> people that are technically our family. Um, but most people probably count their, their numerous cousins. I just had three. Um, I also have uh, a wife, and we have a daughter who just turned 10 months yesterday. And I wish they could have been here, because they're a lot cuter than, than I am, but they're, they're fun to look at. And um, I'm also a part of Youth with a Mission, uh, YWAM. Has anybody heard of YWAM before? Um, and that's part of my story that we'll kind of dive in in a bit. Um, looking back, growing up, I'm really grateful for my, my parents and the parents that they came from. And just extended family has always had a, a Christian uh, heritage that I've known. Um, I can't, ha I don't have a memory of of not being in relationship with God is just just the natural thing for us to be um, knowing God and, and pursuing a relationship continued and, and growing with Him. Um, early on in life, I knew I wanted to be a part of um, ministry in some form. Uh, my first goal and passion at like the ripe old age of seven was to be an engineer, and then I realized all the math and science that was applied to that. Um, <laughs> wasn't actually my gifting, and I, I feel that God has is, is gifted me more in, in a full-time vocational ministry setting. Um, and in middle school, there was a couple kids older than me in youth group who were going to go do this thing called YWAM, do a discipleship training school through Youth with a Mission in Australia. And that sounded, for some reason, really fascinating. As my parents can attest to, I did not like even going to restaurants as a kid. I liked staying home and... <laughs> I don't like change too much. I like knowing what's going to happen and just the usual things that are custom. Um, but for some reason, YWAM really um, piqued my interest, and I wanted to follow through with that. And so I joined with a, a short-term trip in high school. Um, there's a YWAM base campus in Rockford, Minnesota. 
Um, and some people aren't aware of that, even if they are aware of YWAM. And so our church went for three days training there, and then they sent us for a week serving in Panama. And that was a really cool experience, kind of my first taste of missions overseas, my first taste of uh, what YWAM is kind of all about. And I had my plan set that when I graduated high school, I would go and do a discipleship training school in Panama because that was a familiar place. That was something that uh, I had been to. Um, it was YWAM. It fit the bill. Let's do that. Um, as time went on, it kind of felt like pulling teeth, getting more information from the base. I had bought my ticket. I had paid for my school. Uh, and, it, and it came down to it where I was not able to go because they canceled the school due to lack of participation. And I should back up a little bit. Um, the whole reason why I went to Panama in high school anyway was out of fear for flying. Um, I didn't want to go to Panama. They had two trips offered at the same time in the same week, Panama and South Dakota. And so I was going to drive to South Dakota. thought that'd be great. But that got canceled. <laughs> and then you think I might learn my lesson um, that where I feel God is calling me um, is beyond Panama because I was praying. And I felt that the Lord told me two words, to go to New Zealand. And that sounded not at all what I wanted to do. I think a lot of people like New Zealand, like the idea of that. I didn't. I had like very little understanding of it. I thought it was just this bizarre, far-sounding place that I did not want to uh, have anything to do with because my plan was set with Panama. And so I joined um, thinking I was going to go to Panama and um, had to finally surrender, submit to the Lord in what he was actually calling me to in New Zealand. And I'm so grateful um, that I went, despite having to get on airplanes more times in my life now than I've ever wanted to, but um, we've done it. And in that time, um, my family grew. Um, I got to meet people from all over the world who are all a part of the same experience that I was, and getting to learn some really transformational experiences, like hearing God's voice, um, making Jesus truly Lord in our life learning the Father heart of God. And it was through that experience that my life was really set on a new trajectory um, that has impacted um, through to this day. I was asked to um, join staff there for a bit, so I staffed a school, and I met my wife there, who's from New Zealand. And um, kind of fast-forwarding, my family obviously grew again. Now I'm starting my own family with um, marrying my wife. And uh, about five years ago, uh, we were living in New Zealand, and I was serving at a youth with a mission based in New Zealand. And um, it was a discipleship training school, and things were going really well. And on Thanksgiving, we got the news um, that my grandpa had suddenly passed away. And so we came back to Minnesota, and we were just in a time of really trying to understand, uh, does God have something different for us? Is there something on the horizon of change that, we, that he's ready to, to impart to us? And so we met with um, Paul Anderson, and my wife and I were just sharing with him um, just the confusion or just the sense of maybe changes on the horizon. And he, uh, he prayed with us, and the next day got word from Paul that he, he felt that from the Lord that um, there may be theological training for me here in the Twin Cities, which sounded really good, but also meant that there was a whole lot of adjusting that we'd have to do. We were living in New Zealand. My wife not a U.S. citizen. We'd have to figure everything out to get her to be here, um, for us to completely pick up and transition back to Minnesota, because when we had left, we had um, no intent, really, of, of returning long term. 
Um, so we've prayed through that, followed that, and, and that peace was there. And um, got back to Minnesota, and um, I still wasn't sure um, exactly how this was all going to pan out. Paul had presented a few different options of what that theological training might look like, and one of them was attending seminary at the Master's Institute. And it just blew me out of the water. That seemed like something, as cool as it sounded, it didn't seem like something that I felt qualified for, that I seemed um, capable of of my own doing, that that was kind of swinging for the fences and then some. Um, but it, in, in processing and praying, it really felt like that was where God had um, been directing at me. So we got back to Minnesota and tried to kind of figure things out logistically um, with work and all sorts of starting life back here. And uh, I interviewed, um, or before I even interviewed, I uh, met with the president, Perrin Nilsson, the president of Master's Institute. And I was sharing with him my concerns and the challenges I felt like I was facing of how is this all going to practically work out in, in life. And he just encouraged me, if you feel like this is where God is calling you, like respond in faith through the application process. And, and so started the, the process, um, did the best that I could. You had to like, write a big paper or something, I think, an example of where you're at. And um, I got to interview with the dean of students and with the vice president. And um, lo and behold, they accepted me. And before too long, I found myself in a seat that I didn't feel I deserved to sit in. But I was in a classroom amongst theologian-type-minded people, these people who, have, a couple of them, you know, had been in the, in the program for years and uh, just seemed so much further along than I. Um, and yet I came to realize just um, how false those things were that I was believing, that like this was where God called me and that he was going to supply and provide um, in every way. And it's been an amazing uh, experience thus far uh, through my time at the Master's Institute. Um, and I look forward to uh, it being done, not to have it done and behind me, but just for kind of the launching pad that I view MI to be, that training um, and equipping of the, the head, heart, and the hands. Along with that, um, my wife and I have served um, in YWAM as um, singles and as a couple, um, off and on. And I was working at a church a couple years ago uh, as I started with the Master's Institute. And I felt that God was, um, well, both, she felt it first. She's much more visionary and ready for change than I am. I like things to stay and to be consistent. And um, just then we finally both came to the point where we felt that maybe change was coming again in terms of vocation, what we were doing practically. And a few options um, were available to us. Uh, one of them was joining staff with Youth with a Mission in Minnesota. And so we, we abandoned paychecks and our normal jobs, and we moved on to, um, to work full-time serving at the Youth with a Mission base located in Rockford, Minnesota. And it's been an exciting journey of getting to um, experience uh, just like the activation of faith. So many people are coming through, just as I did as a student, uh, just responding to God's call, responding to, in faith to what they believe he has put on their hearts. And you get a bunch of like 19, 20 year olds who are willing to just abandon whatever because they believe Jesus is calling them. It's a really cool opportunity because they're eager to say yes to whatever the Lord may be calling them to. Um, and then say yes to things that they think he's calling them to that might be actually a little bit too out of the box. But um, it makes for a, a good culture um, to be in. So just two weeks ago, we've received a new group of um, DTS students that are going through the um, three-month program with us here in Minnesota. And um, then they'll do two months 
of outreach in Papua New Guinea. And we're looking forward to just seeing the transformation that God does um, in their life. And I'm grateful to kind of marry the two between what I'm uh, receiving and learning at the Master's Institute um, to what I'm doing in my day-to-day serving at a YWAM base. And all of this just comes back to how do I, how does Andrew fulfill what God has called um, him to do? And in all of this, my goal has been to be seeking the Lord, as you've probably shown, uh, has been shown. Uh, I've had my own little plans, my own ideas of how it should all happen, and it is God's purposes and plans um, that I want to have prevail ultimately. And there's so much that can be uh, felt like a loss or that's being left behind. Um, but when you're walking in to whatever the, uh, the thing is that God is calling you into, um, it's so much more to be gained. We read in um, Mark 3 of just Jesus asking, you know, who are my mother and my brothers and sisters? And he, he defines family as those who are um, walking out with what God has called them to do, that are um, receiving from God's word and, and living that out, um, that we are in the family of God together, uh, brothers and sisters and, and mothers and fathers in faith to um, others, to sons and daughters. And that's a huge uh, gift, an absolute privilege that this room, this church, is an expression of that as well, that we can all be related um, in the kingdom through the work and power of Jesus Christ, that we can all be united in him and join in on that, that family, a huge family. And I'm a part of Youth with a Mission, YWAM, started uh, 60 years ago next year, so 59 years ago. Um, there was a young man at the time named Lauren Cunningham who in the late 50s received a vision from God and he saw uh, waves of young people crashing on the shores of nations and that vision of seeing young people carry the gospel to places where it, it isn't um, at already or reinforcing where it has been brought. And that vision um, started with him and his wife and a real small group of people and that was their family. And then it expanded to even more people, hundreds of people. And that was their family. And then today, to this day, there's millions of people that have gone through a Youth of the Mission training school. And tens of thousands of people, this very moment, who are full-time staff or students all across the world. Um, officially, YWAM is in something like 180 countries. Unofficially, YWAM has work um, in every nation. And it's amazing to be a part of this this global missions movement, um, and it's nothing unique. The charge of YOM is not anything other than any other Christian. That is to, to go and make disciples, that we are to receive from the Lord, that we are to receive the gifts that he gives and that only he can provide. Um, and in places like this, that we can um, learn and have fellowship with one another, that we can receive from God's word, that we can worship corporately together in that body, in that family. And it's something that's not just limited to ourselves or to any one church or to any one organization, uh, that that unites us uh, across the world, across the board. And it unites us um, in our common goal and mission of sharing with other people, of being able to take what God has given to us and not just bottle it up and hold up that peace, um, that freedom, that life, that light for just ourselves, but to be able to give to others as well and to, to share the freedom that we have in him, to share the light and life, to share family with others. Uh, later in Mark 11, 
Jesus is teaching, um, and there's a rich young ruler comes to him, and he tells him, "What can I?" He asks Jesus, "What can I do to inherit the kingdom of God, to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus tells him that he needs to sell all his possessions, give to the poor, and come and follow him. And the man is holding so tightly to his treasure that he can't let it go, that he can't receive and have open hands to receive something better from Jesus himself. And we may not be holding on to masses of wealth, but there's something that every human has to reckon with of what are we holding on to that, we're, that we might be naturally resistant to releasing, to letting go, to receive something greater from Jesus. And it goes on with the disciples telling Jesus, they've left everything. Like this guy, he won't let go of his riches, but they have left everything. They've left homes, they've left country, they've left a family. And Jesus says that all those things will be restored and regained to them a hundred times over. And you look at this expression, even in this room, of this family, of the community of grace, um, is so much larger than any one of our own nuclear families. Uh, this house, for example, is much larger than any one house that we live in uh, as our own nuclear family. And there's just so much to be shared and to be gained. Um, the cost of discipleship is great, but the reward is great as well. And to be able to, to enter into that family of God does mean um, leaving some things behind at times, but it also means so much more gets added um, to our family and that we get to enter into relationship with the living God is an incredible gift that, again, is not just for ourselves, but to be shared and to be lived out um, in our lives with other people. And so looking ahead to when our time is done at Master's Institute, um, I don't have a clear picture totally of, of where God is calling us specifically. Um, could be remaining with YWAM in Minnesota for years to come. Could be um, so many different expressions. But in all of it, wherever we go, um, we know that we will have family, that our family will be continually added to, and that we have people in our, our life, even if they're first-time people that we're meeting, um, that we can encounter and know that these are brothers and sisters um, because of the work and the victory of Jesus and the life that he gives and that we get to all enter into. And it's a mandate that um, is not just given to YWAM. It's not just going to Papua New Guinea that you can live this out. Um, something for every Christian believer to, to not only be discipled, but to make disciples of others, to be disciples who make disciples, and to have, consider it as like spiritual descendants of who are the people that you're bringing into the family, who are the people that you're representing Jesus well to, that you are being a representation of the sense of home and family that Jesus offers to us that we can extend to others. Please join with me in praying. Lord Jesus, thank you that you make us family. Thank you, Jesus, for the home, the family that we have in and, and with and from you. Lord, I thank you for community of grace, uh, just for the family of believers that is, is found here. And Lord, I thank you for our family all over the world, um, near and far. Lord, help us to be mindful of how we can add to your family. May we be aware of, of just the, the gifts that we have received of being entered into family and a place of home with you, Lord Jesus. And may we embody that and represent that well to others. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.